0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In homiletic textbooks, these are books that are supposed to help teach you how to preach, they often say that a good sermon has three main points, so three main kind of dividers. An introduction a body, and a conclusion. Then they break this down even further and say that the body of the sermon likewise should have three and only three points. And if you're a particularly good preacher, particularly good at crafting your sermons, then all three points will be alliterative. They all start with the same letter or same sound or something like that. So that people can go home and remember these three points. In contrast to this model for a good sermon, I only have one Point to make this morning, and this is all the introduction you're going to get. My point is right here on the screen. We are all sinners. Full stop. Now, I have a pretty good suspicion about what just happened inside most of your heads. Some of you said to yourself, Well, of course I'm a sinner. Okay, that's, that's a good start. The problem is that I don't believe you. I don't think you actually believe that about yourself. Meanwhile, some of you likely said, Well, yeah, I sin, but no buts, no whatabouts. We are all sinners. Sinners. But here is the good news. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Jesus Christ came into the world to save people exactly like you and me. Look at what Paul says. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Do you really think Paul was the foremost of sinners? I mean, let's just consider his pre-conversion life. He He goes at great length in other books to sort of describe how holy and how righteous and how upright he was pre-conversion. And if you want to say, well, he was a persecutor of the church, sure, but does that make him the foremost of sinners? Was he, I don't know, worse than Judas? That's clearly hyperbole. And that's exactly what Paul is doing here. He's using hyperbole to sort of shock us, to give us a window into how he thinks about himself. He thought of himself as a sinner, as the foremost of sinners, as a person who didn't deserve anything that God had given him. As a person who was rather entirely dependent upon the grace and mercy of God. And notice, he doesn't say, of whom I was the foremost. Past tense. He says, of whom I am the foremost. I am the foremost of sinners, he says, but... I received mercy. Mercy. A few verses earlier, he speaks of the grace of our Lord overflowing to him. Mercy and grace undeserved to sinners. That's the gospel. So let me be as clear as I can. The moment that you make the shift from thinking of yourself as a sinner in desperate need of the grace and mercy of God to thinking of yourself as a good person who maybe stumbles sometimes, but is generally doing okay The moment your brain makes that shift it's game over It's game over You no longer believe the gospel If you're not a sinner then you don't need grace and mercy and heaven help you if you stand before the judgment seat of Christ without grace and mercy and instead get exactly what you deserve. If Paul thinks of himself as the foremost of sinners, but you think you're probably doing okay, then something has gone terribly wrong. There are not sinners out there and saints in here we are all sinners and thank god for that because jesus christ came into the world to save whom sinners Somehow the church today seems to have gotten this all wrong. We see people outside the church living lifestyles that we don't approve of or behaving in ways that we don't condone, and we call them sinners with a scowl on our face as if that isn't precisely the group of people for whom the Son of God came into the world and died on a Roman cross to save The church today seems to function as if the two most operative words in the economy of salvation are not grace and mercy. We seem to operate as if for whatever reason, we deserve this. As if us inheriting eternal life, inheriting salvation, is us getting exactly what we deserve. But I promise you, despite the way that so many professing Christians talk and think these days, you don't want to live in a world where people always get exactly what they deserve especially when it comes to you and God. What you should want is to live in a world overflowing with mercy, overflowing with grace, overflowing with forgiveness. Because those things are your only hope for eternal life. Let me ask a question. I won't I won't ask you to raise your hands. I'll just ask you to be honest about the the answer that you sort of hear in your own head and in your own heart. Do you want to live in a world that's fair? The answer is no. You don't want to live in a world that's unfair because injustice prevails. But you also don't want to live in a world that's totally fair. The world you want to live in, the world you should want to live in, is a world overflowing with mercy, overflowing with grace, and overflowing with forgiveness. Because that's your hope. That's our only hope for eternal life. And those things aren't fair. When mercy, grace, and forgiveness prevail, people are not getting what they deserve. It shocks me how opposed to mercy so many Christians are today. And the only conclusion I can reach is that it's because we no longer think that we need mercy too. We think we're generally doing okay. And so long as we get what we deserve, everything is going to work out for us. But that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, that is anti-gospel. The gospel says that I am a sinner, you are a sinner, the people outside our walls are all sinners too. We are all sinners and all in desperate need of grace, mercy, and forgiveness that can only come from God. So we can no longer... Permit our knee-jerk reaction to sin in other people's lives to be one of disgust or disdain or disapproval or rejection. When we see a sinner, think of the parables we just heard. When we see a sinner, what we should see is the lost coin and the lost sheep. What we should see is exactly who we would be apart from the grace of God. What we should see is an opportunity for rejoicing when what is lost is now found. Jesus says at the end of the parable of the lost sheep, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. But here is the punchline in case you don't already see it. There are no 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Not me, not you, not now, not ever. There is only one righteous person who needed no repentance. And unless you're Jesus of Nazareth, you're not him. There aren't 99 righteous people and one unrighteous. There are a hundred unrighteous people and one person who knows that he's a sinner. And in the parable, that's who you want to be. So I'll say it again. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. The people outside our walls are sinners. But here's the gospel. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. The world is full of sinners. And thanks be to God, because Jesus came to save sinners. Amen.